0: Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash iFanboy. You know I can't be found Sitting home all alone If you can't come around At least please tell the phone Don't be cruel To who hard
1: it's true Baby, if I made you mad For something I might have said Please don't forget Hello, welcome dad. to iFanboy Booksplode. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And this is the Booksplode Show unlocked by the patrons over at patreon.com/slash iFanboy, our bi-monthly show in which we take a look at a collected edition, the kind of comic we can't talk about on our regular weekly show, our regular pick of the
0: week. Shh, don't talk about it. Whatever you do, don't <laughs> so, talk about it.
1: this month we're going to be talking about Jack Kirby: The Epic Life of the King of Comics by Tom Scioli, published by Ten Speed Press, came out last summer. And we've had our eye on it for a while. Josh, you bought it last summer. You bought it for me for Christmas, but I had,
0: I've had my eye on it. Yeah, I bought it I bought it sight unseen, basically. I, I had no idea what it was, and I think I just got some Amazon recommendation. And I thought, oh, it's a comic book about Jack Kirby. And, uh, oh, I know Tom Scioli. I mean, I don't know him, but I, I know his work. And, yeah. and I, that's a guy who, you know, his, his work looks a hell of a lot like Kirby's, depending on how he decides to do it. And I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. But to be honest with you, given the cover, the style of art that... It's actually not terribly indicative of what's inside, I must say. But given the cover, I was a little worried. So, spoiler warning for The Life of Jack Kirby. So, this is a
1: unauthorized biography. It tells you that right off the bat. There's a page in the beginning. And they, they tell you that because the way Tom Shealy did it was in first person. So, it's like Jack is narrating his life story. And he used many, many, many interviews as Source. his uh, sources. A lot of it's direct quotes. But then he just wanted to make make it clear that this this not this was not an autobiography not told to him by Jack Kirby who died in a long time ago. Let's talk about the cover real quick before we get into it. Sure. I think it was a disservice to the book. So the cover is very, uh, it's not chibi because he's too human like, but it's very big eye anime style Kirby, and that is yeah, the it, Kirby it, they use in the book. But it does it doesn't really. I was surprised when I opened it to see the art style based on the cover, like you said.
0: I think it was a disservice. Yeah, it just, it just doesn't match. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a Kirby diehard, so I'm going to read this. But, but I thought, and I know that it turned you off. I was like, you're like, I don't, I don't know about that thing. Mm-hmm. And so regardless, I mean, you know, getting past that one bit on the cover, you know, everything after that was uh, delightful. Although the the
1: cover, I mean, just sufficient the cover, the yeah. the image, the entirety of the image is actually really terrific. Of him, yes, at the drawing table and then sort of coming out of his brain is the Kirby dots as inspiration. Yeah, that, that In frames, large size. frames the, the the cover treatment and the title treatment. I, it's well, as an image reflecting Kirby himself.
0: It's a terrific image. It's just a, the yeah, style right. And, and and I think that the thing is because the, also because. The drawing's not even bad. Mm-mm. It's not a bad drawing. I don't mean that. Uh, but it is uh, produced in such a way where it's actually very vibrant, and it mm-hmm. looks like it's going to be like Kirby action comics. And, yeah. and as you sort of get inside it, the whole thing is done with this sort of faux-aged, sepia-tone, sort of you know Production. brown, yellow. Yeah. yeah, as if you were looking at a comic book that's been around for 50 years. I think that, that was part of
1: it, too, was that the, the cover gives you this pop art sensibility. Between the drawing style and the color being really bright and vibrant and Cobra dots, and then you open it up and it's not all all that. So that's all the only sort of disconnect. I was like, well, that's an interesting choice to make totally different than what's inside. But
0: that's. But at the same time, I don't know how many books you could probably sell based on sort of the color palette that goes on inside the book. It's very brownish beigeous. So whatever.
1: So this is not going to be some of our other reviews, you know, we sort of go through the story and, you know, because there's like a, you know, a plot and and you know story beats and it's you know a lot of the you know the fiction works it's you know there's, there's beginning middle end this is a uh, this is a biography so you know i'm not going to go step by step through jack's life and more, i think more talk about it just in, in general terms i loved the first person narration i thought it really created a sense of connection to jack and made the story sadder when it was sad you know like it sort of made it sort of really it really brought you into him to not have it be, uh, you know, at arm's length. To have everything him talking. Yeah, to him
0: directly. I would. I've read two or three books on Jack, and I've read a couple of books on Joe Simon, mm-hmm. and I've read, you know, we've read the history of Marvel Comics and things like that. And so I am not unfamiliar right. with this sure. stuff, uh, you know. And nor, nor, nor are you. But the format of this being that, and I recognize a lot of this. I was like, oh, this is actually his words. Yeah. M- meaning, you know, they were all. It was. It's pretty. Scrupulously, uh, you know, put together. It's almost like a reality show. You know, they went and they take all the little clips and they put them in order. Sure. You know, and tell the story out of it, But you know the
1: well. There's a pretty hefty the, uh, appendix where he you know yeah. sources the you know a lot of the quotes, not all of them, but a lot of them. And
0: although you know, like you could you could pretty easily like his bibliography is not so big. Like you could no. read through all that. I've read through about half of it and sort of be an expert on it. But you know the the elegance that he sort of Tom Scioli did like putting it together in a very, very passable and smooth and comprehensive narrative through the whole thing. And again, in his voice before we even get to the illustrations was fantastic. I, I, I was just more impressed by it the the more I went through it. As a piece of art, it's terrific.
1: I mean, as a a piece of reporting or, or writing, uh, it's, it's really, he does a terrific job of condensing and coalescing and, setting up themes throughout Jack's life and how the, you know things set up early and they pay off later and the through lines, it just... It, he does a really great job of taking someone's life who's very difficult to, to distill. Um, it's not a short book. It's it's pretty hefty. 200 pages with the appendixes and everything to a single piece and made it clear and thoughtful. And by the end of it, you felt like you knew that all the main players. It was, it was an incredible piece of work. I mean, Tom Scioli is... Uh, incredible comic creator and uh, i'm glad he's doing this kind of stuff
0: yeah i i mean i i was basically just kind of like delighted the whole way through it i I, again based on that cover i wasn't really sure what to expect i was expecting i think you know one of those and then he went and did this and he did this and you know and i thought oh that'll be kind of fun or whatever and it was a whole other kind of experience totally you're Um,
1: really inside of his head it really gives you i mean an intimate look like i keep saying it's a real intimate look at his thought processes and his fears and his angers and his resentments and his successes and
0: and and to be fair you know if you've if you've sort of looked into a lot of this stuff he gave a lot of interviews particularly towards the end of his life and career that were pretty bitter you know he has one take on things i mean yeah this is
1: this takes. is jack kirby's take on his his things. yeah
0: yeah and 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 so it is important to not fully trust the narrator uh, in in that sense. But either either way, there are certain facts that are un- inalienable. There are, you know, the the way that he felt about it is real. I mean, to me, like this really. Uh, ju- he's got one of the books listed here is uh, Tales to Astonish by mm-hmm. Ronan Rowe, which is which is my favorite of the books. I think it's out of print.
1: Yeah, I read that one so criminally. I yeah, uh,
0: and I think that one really gets into the psychology of the man and like his fatal flaws and i think that they're in here but i think it's actually a fuller picture of him in terms of being a rounded person and his uh, his delight yeah at his work that he did you know i came out of that other thing like i came out of the other book i knew a lot but it, he it always felt kind of sad he, he did all these things uh, and felt like he did get the recognition for it and pushed himself constantly.
1: There's you a, there's a, bit, there's a bit of that here. I mean, I, I gave this to somebody is, else to read and, and the report I got back was I knew Jack Kirby got screwed. I didn't realize how badly he got screwed. I think it's pretty clear in here. How
0: yeah, no, yeah, I, I don't mean so much that he, I think that's all agreed upon fine, but like, I thought that this illustrated how much he really loved to oh, create. he, he loved comic comics. He his, loved
1: creating new yeah. comics and new characters. He loved all that
0: stuff. He and, loved it. And again, like we know this stuff, you know, but there are bits in here it was like he created the Green Arrow's backstory. <laughs> like like he would he t- would take these little side jobs he in the casually 50s did and stuff 60s, like that. And then it's stuff that we are very familiar with today. Right. I mean, it, 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 over and over, I was—I actually lost track of the number of things. Like he did that, and you know, then you go and you know, you know, see Stan Lee to talk about how you know I—I I generally believe Jack's side of things that he really did the bulk of the heavy lifting. Yeah, I think I think I, I tend to believe that Stan did packaging, you know, and 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 added some polish after the fact. But you know, the bulk of the the sort of Idea generation and and the stuff you, you know like I think he's responsible for much more than half of it I think and you know the idea that there's a comic book writer and a comic book artist that was not equitable that was not that was not done in the I mean think about it. it wasn't just Stan it was it drove away Steve Ditko right. entirely from everything you know other people kind of put up with it but it was so much a Jackson I, the the other context of it is just I love the idea but it's you know it's who he is it's where he grew up it's his sort of attitude that made him just go well i guess i got to keep working you know it's his great tragedy it's his you know like he's a he's he's just like a marvel comics character that he created in a way like you can just see like amazing power and talent and then a fatal flaw
1: one of the things you really get out of reading this book is that he's like a once in a generation mind you know, yeah. just the, the sheer tonnage of things he created. And look, not everything was amazing. There's some bad no, ideas in here that he came up with. And there's also, some things. There's was, a couple of things that Stan made better. And there was one part yes. where he got really mad about a name change. And the name that Stan changed it to was much better than the one he came up with. But even if you take half of this as truth, he's still <laughs> a once in a generation creative mind. Every single thing that people are watching at home on Disney Plus is because of this one middle-aged guy from the Lower East Side who was in his 40s and 50s when he created all these superheroes, Mm -hmm. which flies in the face of everything we're told, you know, normally. It's like you you need the fire of youth and all that stuff, but this guy with gray temples and a pipe was the one who created the entire Marvel Universe, basically. I know, Green Arrow when he wasn't busy. And then the new guys. You know,
0: the losers and Challenger of the Unknown and stuff for Superman that we don't even, you know, all the stuff that we sort of take for granted now is just, oh, that's part of lore. And then you start seeing how many lines connect back, you know, to this guy. And and also you get to meet all these other people who are names that you know and whose work you know. But you see how they're connected to him and that, like, he had a big hand in making sure Ditko is around and Starenko and Wally Wood and and you know he was working with Wally Wood when he was like all right that's it I'm I'm done with this <laughs> Neil Adams yeah exactly the other side of that being that he created his fair share of like schlock at oh, the same flops. time totally, yeah we needed to do we needed a superhero book so we did Captain Flagman you know like <laughs> you know man had work to do but I think also that's the sign of a
1: creative mind that can't stop either like it not yeah. doesn't mean every every idea is going to be gold but there's just going to be a lot of them and a lot of them are derivatives. That, that's what they did back then in comics. Was they just did derivatives sure. of what was popular? Even Captain America was wasn't Captain America a derivative of
0: another character? Sort of, yeah. I can't uh-huh. remember what the name is, but yeah,
1: of the it was, Archie. It, it was much
0: better. Yes, they got sued.
1: I think that as a piece of work, like I loved the storytelling. I love the art. The likenesses are terrific of, the, of all the comic creators based on you know all photo, photographs you've seen. I mean, they clearly don't worry about getting sued because there's no worry about trademarking his books. All the characters yeah, are. are yeah. I did want to ask you what you thought yeah. about the portrayal of Kirby visually. Cause we just we talked about the cover, but there's clearly a reason, and I'm curious to think what you. Th- I have an idea, but I'm curious if you have an idea because there's one part towards the end where he looks in the mirror and realizes he's gotten old, where he sees a reflection in the mirror that's actual. Drawing of kirby not the cartoon drawing of kirby. He's drawn like every other character in the book is in a realistic style mm-hmm. So clearly there's a reason for drawing him in this way as this childlike big-eyed character who has gray sideburns, but looks young and I, I want to know if you, you have an idea of
0: why you think Scully did that and The sort of lines around his face get more heavy like under his eyes as, as it goes through You know, I've thought a lot about it and I don't know that I have a great answer You know, other than to say, like, he stands out in the middle of everybody as being this other type of person Mm -hmm. who is is a cartoon, but perhaps not in the way that we think of the word cartoon. Like, he just is more vibrant and, uh, you know, like, uh, interesting look, he's not the word, but, you know, like, he... He's this other kind of life form in the middle of all these other people. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's sort of like he—he he is the cartoon and imagination that he's creating. I don't know. Uh,
1: I, I yeah, I, I think that's. I think I wondered if it was about him being like sort of this not childlike but this sort of eternally young mind, that his body was portrayed that way. Like he's always sort of a, he looks like the young version of himself. The only thing that changes is the hair. And eventually towards the end, he gets a couple of wrinkles, but for the most part, he's sort of vibrant character portrayed that way. That's that's what, that's what, that was my thought. I don't know if there's, you know, unless we ask Tom Schill, I don't really know there's an answer.
0: And I, I think that that's probably pretty, pretty valid. Uh, That sort of childlike mind and imagination never seen like his, his, his approach to the work never seems to change. And right. and even as he got too old and infirm to actually draw, yeah. his attitude towards the work and towards the creation and his imagination never seems to falter. Like he never tires of it. So by making him sort of that ageless cartoon, it, it sets him as a person and not like a, a thing that ages. He you know, he is Kirby. You know, just like his cartoons don't age, maybe he doesn't either.
1: On a similar note, there's just some terrific cartooning in here. I'm looking at the page that you put on your Instagram of the moment <laughs> Stanley becomes Stanley, where he goes from male pattern baldness guy in a shirt and tie, clean shaven, where and the next day he's beatnik Stanley with the hairpiece and glasses and beard. And I just laughed so hard at that panel because it's just he's looking at the toupee and he's like Stanley. Hey, Jackie, baby.
0: And I just. And he, al- and he always calls him Stanley. Like, yeah. not Stanley. It's always Stanley. But that's a thing that happened. Yeah, but just. And, and, the, the cartoon, though, the, the look on
1: Stanley's yeah, no, face, you. the smile, you, you can already see he looks sort of like he's not even paying attention anymore. You know? He's just, he's already got the persona. I
0: he's gotta got say, it say, like, out of everything I've ever read about. I'm not, I'm not knocking Stanley either. No, no, but after everything I've read about him, this is like one of those, it's a completely different take on the man. Yeah, know, but the thing is like, what I'm not knocking is, and we talked
1: about this when he died, is that, okay, even if he didn't contribute anything materially to these characters, without Stan, there isn't the industry we have today because of, sure. because of the promotion he put into it. Like, they're all part of it. So, like, I'm not going to knock him, even if he took all the credit they didn't deserve... I really do think that you don't have the industry you have today if if, if not for his public-facing evangelism of the comics industry because Jack wasn't going to be that face. He was a grumpy old no. 50-year-old guy from the Lower East Side. He wasn't going to be the guy in talk shows making guests laugh and making it okay to read comics. And it wasn't anybody else who was going to do that. It had to be Stan Lee.
0: No, absolutely. I But I, I just think that the story, because it's from Jack's point of view, mm-hmm. it's a very different story than we get about the man. Sure. You know, literally, stand the man. And so like you're you're seeing this guy who's known him since he was a kid. And literally that page you're talking about where he shows up and he's got the he's got the Joker suit basically, yeah. you know, purple yeah. and green. Yeah. You know, the page before is what he looked like. Yeah. You know? Like a balding, middle aged, sort of tall, skinny guy. And I don't think people realize that. Stanley's exceedingly tall and thin. Very was, tall. He's kind of odd. Six um, at least six feet tall. Yeah, yeah. He was yeah. he was a big guy you know, imposing and kind of heroic looking, but not until he started wearing that toupee and had the beard and whatever, you know. He just kind of looked like a, like a schlubby office dude before that. It's, it's fascinating. I, I'm just flipping through this, and there's all these things that you can be like, oh, he did this? Oh, he did that? He, him and Joe, Joe Simon did the first issue of, of Captain Marvel and then had to testify because they got sued that it was copying Spider-Man. He, you know, Jack created... Superman, the, Superman. the Yeah, sorry. Jack created that, that cartoon where the kid tr- turns into a car, With the creepy, you know, morphing animation, he, you know, basically created, they created romance comics as an aside one week, you know, they, it's just, it's on and on and on and on. And when he starts talking about, he does the new gods and goes through this whole thing and nobody gets it, you know, for a little while. And then he's like, fine, I'll make the Eternals. And he does it again, (laughs) you know, but but not, not copying himself, but just like, fine, I will, I'll do this thing, you know, and he, he cares he cares so much about his work. You know, like he mm-hmm. gets pissed off, like when people are copying his style. Uh, you know, he likes that he's influenced people, but you know, they, when they, they changed his faces at DC when he was doing Superman, that pissed him off. Right. You know, and it's it's there's just there's so much in here, and it's it's you cannot overestimate how much of a connecting through line this is in all of mainstream comics today.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, and it kind of feels like ancient history, but it's not. And, uh, and the book just really puts it together in such an easily digestible way if you've ever thought, "Man, I've got to read one of those books,, like, and yet you haven't," or what like, get this is a great place to start. Yeah the
1: thing is like to participate in a hobby like this, you don't have to know the history. You don't have to. You don't have to read all no. the books, you don't have to. There's no reason you can just enjoy the work. But if you are interested, and a lot of comic fans are more interested in, in the history of the in medium than I think other subcultures other than like super film people mm-hmm. it's worth reading these things because they didn't happen that long ago so you know we, at the time we talked a lot about the marvel the untold story that book that came out a, a while ago you know years ago and there's the jack kirby books but this is a great visual look and comics are so visual you get, to, you, you really get a i think it's if you even you get a i think even a better sense than reading a prose book about what he's done when you see it all laid out for you you know in color mm-hmm. like these are the yes, characters. No, These so- are, this is the work. And, and Shioli does a great job of recreating the style, you know, the art and Kirby's style and other, other art styles that you see throughout the book. This is a really really lays it out for you. So if you're someone who's you know, a comic reader and you know, you know Jack Kirby and Stan Lee and the whole Marvel 60s revolution, but you don't really know it, this is a really great book for that. There's tons of great prose books you can read. We can recommend them. which are terrific. But I really love this book. I think this is terrific. And again, from a visual standpoint, you can't beat it because it really does make it clear.
0: Yeah. And again, Shioli, boy, he he really he found exactly the right tone for what the cartooning and coloring mm-hmm. and sort of layout needed yeah. to look like. It's not. It's not even just the, you know, it, the, the basic. It's like golden age style panel layout. It's you know, and lettering. Oh, sure. Sort of all of that stuff is is uh, indicative of really what, what Jack did before 1962. Those, you know, before. those
1: word blooms that go the entire length of the panel, um, yeah. no, no matter how, big, how much word is. So here's a, here's a what if for you. Here's the okay. scenario. What if uh, when he collapses in the forest in World War II, Jack does not make it?
0: Can you even imagine...
1: What does the world look like? I mean, not even the comics industry, not even this show. What does the pop culture world in two thousand twenty one look like if Jack Kirby does not come home from the war? It's It's not even a totally different world. It it is is, unrecognizable.
0: I would go so far and I've said this to people, it would be as if there was no Elvis and Mm. possibly no Beatles. Right. I mean, that's, that, that really is what we're talking about. And, and it, it maybe didn't seem like that until about 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But if we see what has happened to sort of pop culture right. and films and it's just everything. And it's not even like about the things that he directly did. But do you think about all the things that are ripped off the things that he directly did and, and sprang off and now stories are told? And I mean, it's not even.
1: And the thing is, we're not saying there's no comics because there are. You know, no. there's, there's still... Superman and Batman and the whole DC canon, and Cap was before the war, so you still have Captain America and Submariner and those characters. But you really, it kind of stops there. There's, there might not be anything after that, anything new. I at mean, least the, the side, at least on the universe. Marvel side.
0: And I, now you know, Jack doesn't, Stan doesn't, Stan doesn't do that stuff without Jack.
1: No, and the right. ideas that he, that they're given to him before he 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 puts his his Jack polish on are totally different. Yeah. And then you don't get yeah. the industry that was sort of revitalized by Marvel's 60s boom. You don't get comics now. You well, probably don't have comic shops. I mean, we're, we're probably not even talking here. We're talking about something else.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, and Stan might not become Stan with somebody else. Right. The moment he collapses in the snow
1: there and he doesn't die and he wakes up in a hospital and his, the war is over, it's a to- that,
0: that's where everything changes. I mean, it's even so if he didn't go to war, everything is a little right. bit different, too. It's all sure. sorts of things like that. But, you know, can we also let's not gloss over the fact that Stan or Jack had a he had a heck of an experience in the war.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of these guys went a lot of, combat. Go, you know, at that time, you know, a lot of comic guys went a lot, a lot, of, a lot of combat. Went, a, lot of a lot of combat. Oh, yeah. Combat. Right. You know. But you know, Stan ended up in the the media corps doing training films. Uh, uh, Joe Simon ended up; he joined the Coast Guard and he rode a horse on the beach in Long Island looking for <laughs> submarines. That was awesome. Jack was in, yeah. Was Jack cool. was in Bastone. Yeah. I mean, like he 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 you know he met Patton, didn't like him. Yeah. Uh, you know he. Anyone watch Brothers you. knows
1: how bad Bastone was. Yeah, and right. how it haunted everyone who was there for the rest of their lives.
0: I mean, it's kind of amazing that he, given what he's got, what he went through. He, he he did pretty well coming out of it mentally, yeah. you know, and I think the book does, you know, anybody and also, you know, the story of Jack is is not Jack unless it's also the story of Roz Kirby, his wife, yeah. uh, and, and their really wonderful lifelong relationship. And I think that she is uh, adequately depicted and treated here because she's a huge part of that story where she was, you know, his protector to a certain extent.
1: She was certainly the protector of his reputation. Yeah. And you know, wanting him to get the credit he deserved and never fought for himself. Or at least was never successfully fighting for. You know, he he did ask for things and so they just told him no and he went okay. Which is, you know, yeah. a lot of people like that. A lot of creative people he are not a provider. Good, at, good at business. You know, there's a long, long history of creative people getting taken advantage of. He got paid for his work. He certainly wasn't poor. They had a house, they had a nice house, they had a good life.
0: Yes, that's true. And he did did a good job. You know, it's, it's certainly later on people started to appreciate, it. and it's not really—it's not really in here so much. But you know, the the bit where he left comics to work in animation because yeah, that was great. Comics was was breaking his heart, kid. You know, and it's it's really you know it's interesting to me that like here's this guy and he ends up basically being a work a day guy. You know, but everybody there knows him,
1: I revered him because he was Jack Kirby. They were all know. comic nerds working in animation,
0: but he treated like everything else. He had, you know what? He didn't seem to have too much of an ego, in the sense of like I'm better. Than, I mean, he like he knew he was probably better than everybody, and he, you know, uh, you know, appreciated his own his own work and his part or whatever. But you know,
1: I think he had an ego, but it was not an overt one. I think it was something where in his head he was he was going I'm better than everybody at this table. Why am I not doing that? But he wasn't. He's not someone who's going to be like uh-huh. Stan Lee he's gonna, who's going to strut around and
0: yeah. But he just seemed genuinely. And again, these are his words, but, you know, he just seemed sort of genuinely flattered every time, like, he like, this person said nice things about me, right. you know, oh, this this person, like, it's almost like he was surprised about them.
1: Sure. I think that's also part of the upbringing of the time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I flew through this book. Yeah. It's not, not dense. <laughs> not, this isn't a, de- <laughs> this isn't a early 2000s, you know, decompressed book. There's a lot of panels and a lot of words, but it's such a great story and so expertly told and the art is absolutely gorgeous. I just think it's so fascinating that time, you know, that on the unfettered creativity they had to come up with because they had to survive making these comics. So, you know, was not a prestigious job. Um, no. they were making them out of like hotel rooms. Him and him and Joe Simon, and but they had they, they just had to con- they had to, they had to put so much. Out- there was one point where he describes how much output he did, and it's just sort of laughable now considering what the output of comic artists are. And it's not like his pages weren't detailed; they were crazy detailed. They were so detailed the inkers were erasing parts of them.
0: And he wasn't working with a script. You know, he huh. was just going from whole cloth. Yeah. I remember at one point in the 70s, I think, so when he went to D.C., his con- this isn't in this book, but his contract was 15 pages a week.
1: Something like that's in here. Because like, I did like four books a month for them or something like that.
0: Yeah. But, but that's like, not even just, you know, he, he didn't ink them, but he, he basically at D.C., he wrote them. Like, he's right. like, I want to do the whole thing. So he, you know, a book a week, basically. Right. Full stop. That's amazing. And his art and creations stood the test of time longer than anybody else's, and that's, that's not even an exaggeration. No,
1: last year we um, talked about his New Gods book, and that mm-hmm. sort of crosses over here, where he's talking about the making of it, and we talked about how his art changed through in the by the end of that book. And he talks yes. about, about here he's he talks about how his art his art changed and how he couldn't draw like he used to, and eventually has to stop drawing, and eventually his inkers are taking on a lot bigger role. And the, I couldn't remember. Because I know we talked about the anchors, and we, I know there was one we didn't like, and I couldn't remember which one that was. It,
0: it, it's Coletta's at the beginning, and then Royer comes on at the end. And DC did not want Royer, but you know Stan liked him and and thought he did yeah. a good job. But yeah. I remember when we read that, the the difference from Coletta to Royer was was noticeable, and, yeah. and the Royer stuff was better.
1: There was a couple of guys. There was one guy we just didn't like because there's one guy he like fires. Yes, and Royer was his assistant, I think.
0: I think this is in this. That's the area when, when he finally stops working with Coletta because he finds out that he's been changing a lot. Well,
1: yeah, he found out that he was, he was erasing. That, yeah. you know, Coletta has his defenders. Mm-hmm. It's hard to defend that.
0: I mean, yeah. I'm guessing he didn't think he was doing anything wrong at the time. Right. You know what other story always gets me? Always is the piles of his original art just in the hallway that people would just take <laughs> as souvenirs at Marvel. And I just, oh, yeah. fuck. It's it's not even like that. It's worth a shit ton of money because it is, and it, it should be. It's just like those are like Rembrandts. I mean, the, those. He only, he I, only know, got like, the eighty-eight of,
1: pages like, back after he made the deal with Marvel to get all his original art back. He only got eighty-eight ba- pages back
0: of the like thousands and
1: thousands of pages he did for Marvel.
0: That breaks my heart.
1: Yeah,
0: and breaks my heart. Like not for just for him, but like for his kids. You know, and I think it was funny because I, I think I saw somewhere like somebody interviewed recently and it was talking about his son, Neil. It was like, Neil's 72. And I was like, oh, right. Yeah. Because I just think, you know, that's his kids. And I was like, oh, no, they're very old men, too. But at the same time, like, none of this feels that long ago. Kirby
1: died at 76 in 1994. So that was a long time ago.
0: Yeah. But it's still like not that far back you know i remember the first time i went to san diego comic-con in 2000 like will eisner was on the floor you know yeah. these guys were still around you and i No, the golden age guys
1: who interviewed jerry robinson and joe Kubert. yeah all those, like, exactly
0: it's not a long process like it no it those guys all who exists. made it
1: in their 90s were all around comic-con <laughs> not that long ago it's funny you can just almost open any random page and find something really interesting that happens on it because it's just it's just chock full of it jim shooter i, li- I like how they portray jim shooter as like twice the size of jack kirby or like I said, they like Tom, she always more than one person. It's just wonderful. I, I gotta say it again if you're at all interested in this, man, you gotta get this book. That's a great comic book history, and it's a great companion yeah. to other stories. What you gotta do is you gotta, like anything, you gotta take everyone's point of view together. And so, and the truth will be somewhere in the middle, somewhere yeah. it might be closer to other someone else's point of view, but most likely this is not 100% accurate, but it doesn't really matter.
0: Nobody's memory is. Yeah, it's a great story. Mm-hmm. So, go get it. It's a must-buy. I mean, like, that's... Unless you have no inkling or care about process, you know, if you love the Marvel Universe, really, or superhero comics in general, like, you should be reading this. It's, it's great. Just make all that stuff bad. Yeah. I mean,
1: this is... This is an easy five-star book. I was happy you got it for me. Yeah. Happy to I' uh, read it. And I just want to say, lastly, before we wrap up, that there's a couple of really emotional moments. One is when he has the heart attack, and then when when he dies. And... I thought they were so that, well well portrayed. The action yes. stops for a silent panel, and the heart attack—he's you know sort of curled up and holding his chest, and it's all red, like a red light bulb has gone off. And then when he dies, it's just he's just dancing with Roz, and the next panel is it's a black panel, and it was just like, ugh, it was a very stark and simple and elegant way of portraying someone dying. Like we didn't see like a death scene; it was just he's there one moment and he's gone the next.
0: Mm. And then the next bit is just sort of these flashes all the way through his life. This two-page spread done yeah. in 12 panel grids, yeah. some quotes from real people. It's got an image of his gravestone. It's got a still frame from the end of that uh, Superman Animated Adventures, you know, and we see as we, we get going, you see Stan being kind of a dick. <laughs> yep. And then you see the movie stuff start and you get all these images, you know, from the, the stuff that he made. It stretches endlessly. Yeah, And then it ends that with Jack Kirby's heirs have no claim to the copyrights. It's just like, oh, God. And then it keeps going, you know, more stuff. Like enough stuff that I haven't even seen all of these shows because there were so many of them. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a bummer.
1: It ends sadly, but it's also a tribute to his work. And also I would like to say that, you know, a couple of years ago at a college here in Los Angeles, they did a whole Kirby exhibition. There's a part in here where his art is on display at a museum. And I th- he would have been really gratified that he was... Yeah. You know, given that kind of exhibition, it was the entire museum it was all his original art and, <sighs> his, and original comics on display. And it was beautiful. And he really was treated in that exhibition like the true artist he
0: was. I saw there was an exhibit at the Jewish Museum in New York years, years ago, yeah. uh, mid 2000s, I'm going to say that I went to. And uh, I think that might have been the part that might have been my turning point. In, in terms of Jack stuff, where I kind of understood the context and really got it, you know, because I saw that.
1: Seeing the original art is something else. I mean, oh, yeah. the inking back then wasn't like the inking now. That really sort of... I wouldn't say... Well, there's, there's no inking now anyway. But the, the inking of the later times, which was about preserving every bit of the artist's intention. Back then, it was like, get this book out quickly. And that meant like, eh, most of the lines didn't get inked. And so when mm-hmm. you see... A Jack original page next to the finished art, and the finished art looks great. But when you see <laughs> that original art, then you're like, "Oh my god!" Yeah, this guy was doing 15 of these a week. Mm-hmm. I mean, geez.
0: Also, want to point out by the way, it's a be- the book itself, the actual production. It's a really nice book. Like, it's really oh, yeah, it's, it's a great. Book. Of, it feels like it's uncoated paper, but it's maybe got got coating on it. It's just it's all got this really nice. It's just like a great feeling book. It's it's a beautiful production from uh, Ten Speed Press yeah it's,
1: it's a great book it's beautiful the production yeah. is, is top notch
0: I can't imagine that there's not Eisner's in in this book's future got I hope so it'd be insane
1: we're almost always wrong when we say that Jack Kirby the epic life True. of the king of comics by Tom Scioli 10 speed press it's a pricey hardcover it's not cheap it? but it's 28
0: 29 bucks
1: it's worth every penny
0: mm-hmm. yeah it is five stars easy give it six not allowed to it's fine
1: <laughs> we, we can give it a six star
0: <laughs> just one extra one for jack
1: so there you go that's our booksload for this month as i said at the top of the show the patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanbo unlocked this show and its sister show the talks Bloat show so you'll be getting another booksload in two months and who knows what we're talking about but i'm excited this was a fun one and i'm glad we did it thank you to the patrons for unlocking the show thank you to josh for getting me this for christmas if you want to talk about You're this welcome. show or This book or anything else at fanboy.com is where you can find this show. You can find our weekly pick of the week show. Josh and I talk about the week's new comics. Josh does the TalkSplode show, the companion piece of this show. We have our Media Splode show. By the way, all those shows go back to Kirby. The names of those shows. Yeah. The Splode, that's the joke from the Kirby dots exploding out of Black Bolt's mouth. (laughs) You can trace those names back to Jack. So there you go. Everything goes back to Jack. And until next time. I'm Connor.
0: I'm Josh. Don't let comics break your heart, kids.
1: Mm, don't stop thinking of me. Don't make me feel this way. Come on over here and love me. You know what I want you to say. Don't be cruel. Do a heart that's true.
0: Why should we be apart? I really love you, baby. Cross my
1: heart.